Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now, here's today's message. What makes you happy? I promise I'm not going to speak for 54 minutes today. Last week, I spoke for 54 minutes. And the kids' workers, whoo, they were all over me. What were you thinking? What makes you happy? In week one, we learned. Does anybody remember? What did we learn? What makes you happy? No thing. It's more about a who than a what. And I'm not talking about Dr. Seuss. I made that joke last week. I figured it went over well. I'll make it again. Talking about a who, not a what. What else makes you happy? What did we talk about last week? Sowing. Sowing and reaping. You sow and reap your way to unhappiness. So if you sow and reap your way to unhappiness, then you can sow and reap your way to happiness, right? Are we on the same page? We also learned that happiness is an outcome. And is not immediately accessible. It takes a long time to build that house. You can't just think about a house and it's there. you got to actually build it. Building on a firm foundation will ensure that it lasts forever. In week one, we touched on something that I want to go back and spend some time on today. Pastor Josh talked about it. And he said that happy people have peace. They have peace with themselves. They have peace with others. And they have peace with God. Uh, see, as Christ followers, we believe that these three things are vitally connected. You can't have one and not have the others. Peace with God paves the way to peace with ourselves and to peace with others. But we can't have peace with others if we don't have peace with ourselves. But we can't have peace with ourselves if we don't have peace with God. Following the train? All right. Today, I want to talk about how do we make peace with God? Why isn't there peace? Well, I think that there are two reasons why there's this resistance, this nature of resistance to peace. And um, there's this conflict that's been going on for thousands of years since human beings were created, and it is sin. Sin. Now, Pastor Josh talked about this a lot in week one, um, but there's two real kinds of sin. There's this general sin that, that everybody is under. We're born into sin. And then there's your sin. There's my sin. There are individual choices that we make that's sinful behavior. Well, and I was born in the United States of America, and that really wasn't fair. I had no choice in that. Now, am I proud to be born in the United States of America? Well, yeah, of course I am. I'm a proud, patriotic American. I love my country, all those good things. But there are billions of people who aren't born in the United States of America. How is that fair? <coughs> See, it's not fair because there was no choice in the matter. We didn't have a choice in the matter. We were born here, but it, you know, it wasn't our decision. It just so happened that that's where our parents live when we popped out. <laughs> the New Testament teaches that by no will of our own. It's not our choice, but we're born into the nation of sin. The nation of sin. You've got a sin passport. You can go anywhere in sin you want because you were born into it. You were part of the nation of sin. We all are. And we have all the rights that being born into the nation of sin provides. So at this macro level that kind of goes beyond our personal behavior, just by our nature, we're sinners. It's not really fair. We didn't necessarily do anything to deserve that. It's just the way that it goes. Now, there's this guy, and he's called the Apostle Paul. Many of you have heard of him. 
Somebody just buzzed me. You've heard of him, but he's kind of like the first theologian. See, he unpacked all of this stuff that Jesus taught, and he put it in ways that we can understand it um, even in today's world. But also there's this guy named John. We're going to talk about him uh, just uh, just a a little bit later. But for Paul... He starts off with Rome in Romans. He's writing a, a letter to the church in Rome. In Romans 5.12, I'm going to read the whole thing. And I'm going to come back and talk about it. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and this way death came to all people. So this is how he starts out. Therefore, just as sin. Now this is something that we don't really, that we don't really think about. Just as sin entered the world. That implies that at some point, there was no sin in the world, right? So Paul says pretty clearly, just as sin entered the world through one man. Leave it to some guy to just mess it up for all of us. There was an original guy, and when he sinned, he introduced sin into all humanity. That's what it says in Genesis. That's how it got there. That's how it got here. But we know it's here. The question is, how did it get here? The New Testament teaches, and the Old Testament reaffirms that it came through Adam. He's the original God. Sin entered the world through one man. And because of the sin of one man, not only did sin enter the world, so did death. He talks about it in this verse. We're going to talk about it more in a second. Now here's something um, something that you need to know. Wherever there is sin, there is death. Wherever there's sin, there is death. Some of you have killed a relationship. Some of us have killed a career. Some of us are killing our bodies. Some of us are killing our relationship with our kids. Some of us have killed our our relationship with our boss. Why? Because there's sin. And wherever there's sin, there's death. It's automatic. It just happens. Sin came in the world... Death came in the world at the same time. Death was right on its heels because there was a consequence for bad choices. (laughs) Some of us can't find peace with ourselves. We've killed our self-esteem. That's where the death lies in our life. It's our own self-esteem because there's sin. There's sin present. And so because there's sin present, there's the death of something. And for some of us, it's our, self, it's our self-esteem. So the New Testament teaches that we think about this the wrong way. We think about it in that, um, we, we don't think about it into the fact that the first problem is we were born into the wrong country. Now, if you grew up in church like I did, how many of you have ever heard of things called tracks? Tracks. Anybody? These little pieces of paper that uh, someone would leave somewhere for you to pick up that Usually when you open it up, there was some sort of horrific Armageddon-type uh, picture with the rapture or, you know, all, yeah. So this past week, uh, Kelly and I came, uh, Kelly and the family and I came home from somewhere, and I went to check the mail. It was night, and I looked on the ground because I, there was trash in front of our mailbox, and I'm thinking, I, we don't let trash get in front of our mailbox. And I'm looking there, and there's a $50 bill. It wasn't a $50 bill. It was a track. It was a track. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I got 50 bucks. It was a track. It was a track. 
How many of you um, had dinner or something with your grandpa and he left that track as a tip? Imagine you're a server. Imagine you're a server and you see a 20 or a $50 bill laying there and you're thinking, I've got bank. And then you open it up. Is that going to give you a really good impression of Jesus? No. <laughs> so I took this track and I'm thinking, okay, I'm over the fact, you know, I, I didn't have $50 before. I don't have $50 now. It's, it's all good. So I went to throw it in the recycle bin and I'm thinking, I can't throw Jesus in the trash. And there's a picture of Jesus on the inside. I can't throw it in the trash. So what do I do with it? <laughs> we don't want to burn Jesus either. <laughs> but that was a good thought. Anyway, so we're in a nation of sin and unrighteousness. God's, we're going to talk about the tracks again in a minute, don't worry. God's over there. God's over here in this kingdom of righteousness. This great thing. And we're over here in this kingdom of sin. And what's in between? A gap. A big old gap. And there's hostility. There's a problem because God is all righteousness and we are so unrighteous. See, we do sinful things because we have a sinful nature. We're born into it. How many parents of toddlers have I I heard say, including my own mouth, they just need Jesus? (laughs) They just need Jesus? We're going to pray that demon out of them? I know some of y'all said it. I've heard you. But see, acting like we belong over here with God because we think we're good people doesn't close the gap. No more than this good old country, southern, white boy dropping himself down somewhere in France. I can't speak the language. I don't know the culture. I'm going to stick out like a sore thumb. And if we try to enter the kingdom of righteousness on our own, by our own choices and things that we think that we do that make us worthy, it just doesn't work. We stick out like a sore thumb because we don't belong there. We belong over here in the kingdom of sinfulness. But there's good news. Jesus preached the gap. That's where Jesus comes into play. Isn't that cool? We didn't have to do anything. Jesus did everything. Romans 5, verses 1 through 2. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have, say it, peace with God. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access. Jesus came to bridge the gap. The gospel is all about God through Christ making a way for us to leave this kingdom, this nation of sinfulness, and being escorted by, the, by Jesus into this kingdom of righteousness, into the kingdom of God. Jesus talks about it as being born again. Now, some of you have heard this story with Nicodemus. <laughs> Nicodemus says, you know, look, how do you, how do you go into the kingdom of God? And Jesus said, you must be born again. Now, Nicodemus looks at him and like, what? Am I supposed to crawl back up in my mom's womb and come back out and be born again? I, you know, I'm wondering what Jesus thought when he heard that. The first thought was probably gross. <laughs> no, no. It's figurative. You have to have a rebirth into a new kingdom. You get a new passport. 
You become a new person. Now, we have a friend, Kelly's friend, April, and they have adopted a little girl. Her name is Maggie Autumn, and she's a wonderful little girl. And we were talking to her about the adoption process and what all that means, and um, we, we heard this thing that really just amazed me. April said that when the, uh, the adoption was finished, Maggie Autumn got a brand new birth certificate. And on that birth certificate, her adoptive parents are listed there. Her name changed, her story changed, and her family changed. See, when we get adopted into the kingdom of God, our story changes. We get a new birth certificate. We get a new passport. And so our sinful nature is swept away by the grace of Jesus Christ. Now, again, Paul gets all technical and, and sort of wants everybody to understand everything that he's saying. So he used this language as he's talking to the church of, um, in Colossians. The, the actual city's name is Colossae, but he needs to know that. He says, for he, God, has rescued us. God has rescued us. What has God rescued us from? God, had re- God has rescued us from the nation, the environment, the kingdom of darkness, and has brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves and willingly sacrificed just for us. This is, the, this is a very graphic example of God moving us from one place, not by our own choices, but by His divine grace. Not through our behavior, but through something God has offered through Jesus Christ. In other words, it's not our choice that redeems us. It's his. He chose for us. Isn't that amazing? You know, when we're raising our kids, we, you know, we, we use this incentive, reward, incentive kind of thing. Look, if you'll eat those Brussels sprouts, just, how old are you? Just two. Okay, you're two. If you'll eat two Brussels sprouts, I'll give you a cookie. What happens when the cookies run out? But see, that's not what God does. God gives us all of the incentive. He gives us all of the positiveness because of the choice he made. It's not anything that we do ourselves. Now, the we there is a very inclusive we. And so you may be thinking, you know, Paul doesn't know me. He actually didn't know the church he was talking to there. He's talking, but, but the we he's talking about is everybody. You're thinking, but, you know, I still got problems. You know, I still treat my husband like he shouldn't be treated. I still treat my wife in a, in a terrible way. I make bad choices all the time. I, you know, I cheated on that test, or I cheated on my income taxes, or it's tax time. <laughs> For we have been justified through faith. Let's read it out together. We have peace with God. One more time. Peace with God. God has declared you just just because of our really good works. No. Not because of our really good works. Because of Jesus' really good works. Not because we tried harder. Not because we made a promise. Not because we came to church and checked off our to-do list. No. This is why we get together as a church. This is why we talk about these things. Because we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have gained access. This is so powerful. Paul says the first step to peace with God has nothing to do with our 
choices. There's nothing we can do to earn it. There's nothing we can do to earn it, and there's nothing we can do to break it. It's not about us. It's about what Jesus did. So that's the general nature of sin. Everybody's born into sin. But then there's our individual sin. Choices that we make all the time. Now, I'm a dad. Um, I'm a dad of three beautiful children. Belle is 11, Ashton is 9, and Lexi is 2 going on 65. I love those kids. And last week I got in a whole lot of trouble because I told stories um, if, I, if, if the way I was lectured was correct, I told two stories about Lexi and one about Ashton. I didn't tell any about Belle. So I'm officially, you know, I'm thinking, okay, my daughter's 11. She's in the room. I don't want to embarrass her. I'm trying to be the nice dad. Dad, why don't you talk about me? Well, today she's serving in kids, so I can talk about her all I want. How many times have our kids really wanted something? That we knew wasn't good for them. Really, really, really wanted it. But dad, I really want this. I really, really want this. But we say no. Well, in that situation, we have two choices. We can have peace in either choice that we make. Either choice. It just depends on what kind of peace you want. We can have peace right now by saying, sure, Lexi, you can have this cupcake five minutes before dinner. Sure. We're not going to have peace later because she's not going to eat her dinner. But as a parent, our job is not to necessarily have instant gratification, but understand that sometimes we know what's best for our kids. Right? Nobody wins if I just give in. To give in would actually be an act of betrayal of my responsibility to my children to help them grow into the productive adults that they need to be. It's not about that cupcake in that minute. They may feel like it is. It may seem like it is, but it really isn't about that cupcake. We're teaching our two-year-old to make good choices. And sometimes that's difficult. The peace at any price ultimately costs the child too much. If we give in, we're going to pay for it at some point. The peace is going to break down. Well, just like that, just like that, our, our relationship with God can be disrupted by our choices. Disobedience or sin will com- corrupt our relationship with God. Jesus tells us that we should look at God as this loving, heavenly Father. Now, I'm going to pause there. I'm going to step aside. We all know that God's not a man, right? We all know this, right? We talk about God being a heavenly Father, and you know we use, most of the time, we use... Um, male words to describe God. But there's no indication in the scripture that God is male. That, that's, not, that's not the issue. And, but the challenge is that we have such limited ways to talk about the creator of the universe, we have to come up with some kinds of words to describe him. So Jesus puts it in words that we can understand. And he talks about God being a loving, heavenly father. But like a good parent, God doesn't relent. He doesn't say, okay, whatever, and just change his mind when, we're do- when he knows we're doing something that's going to hurt us because he loves us too much. God's love is simply too strong to go along with our ridiculousness. I almost use a harsher word. I'll just say ridiculousness. He dings us in our conscience. And I'm not talking about Jiminy Cricket. 
He dings us in our conscience. I mean, he got you here today. He got you here today. And he occasionally connects the dots between our unhappiness and our disobedience. But the New Testament teaching regarding obedience to God centers around our treatment of others as well. This is where John, the apostle, comes in and talks about our relationship with God and each other. Some really cool verses here, and I'm going to read them um, in just a second. But John, you know, John's this really, really great kind of case study of the apostles. You know, John was with Jesus the entire time of his ministry. He knew him before his ministry, and he was with him throughout his ministry. And John lived to be an old man. John hung out with Jesus. He camped out with Jesus. He was there with him the entire time. So all of these questions that we had, that we we're like, okay, I'm going to ask God about that one day. I'm going to ask Jesus about that when I get to heaven. John's already done that. He's already been there. He lived life with him. But this is what he wrote. He knows Jesus probably better than anybody else that lived on earth with Jesus. And this is what he said. I'm going to read the entire verse and then come back. 1 John 1, 6. If we claim to have fellowship. Now, that word fellowship there means peace. So I'm going to say it this way. If we claim to have peace with him him being God, and yet walk in darkness, we lie. Ooh. Ooh. If we claim to have peace with God, and yet we walk in darkness, we lie, and we don't live out the truth. If we pretend that us and God are cool, but we know we're living in disobedience to God, John, I mean, he just lays, he's like, and I'm an old man, I don't have anything to lose. I'm just going to tell you like it is. You're a liar. If that's what you think it is, then you're lying. You're lying to yourself. You're lying to the people around you. And you're going to pay the price. It sounds harsh. It sounds, oh, it's not politically correct. And we talked about this last week. We live in this politically correct culture that you do whatever you want to do. Nobody can tell you what's right or wrong. Well, Jesus did tell us what's right and wrong. And it may not make us feel good all the time, but if we call ourselves Christ followers and if we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who came, died on the cross, rose again for our salvation, but yet we don't do what he tells us to do, we can't claim to have fellowship with him because it's not real if we're not doing what he tells us to do. He wants to, us to walk it out. Unfortunately, and contrary to culture, we can't just do what we want. We can't. Because much like the two-year-old child, oftentimes, if we do what we want, we're going to get in trouble. And it's going to hurt us in the end. John says, look, don't kid yourselves. You know the songs. You show up every week or every once in a while, depending on who you are. Sometimes you may give money. Sometimes you may serve. You may do a lot of good things. Pay attention here. Pay attention. I'm not trying to fuss at you. I just want us to get this point because it's really important. If you know in your heart God wants this, but you do this, we got a problem. <coughs> There's tension there because God knows best. Whether we like it or not, God knows best. Because see, he, I had this described for me one, one time. You know, let's, let's just pretend that this screen right here is the, the entire existence of time itself. 
Time is something that was created by God for us to kind of understand how things work. But see, God looks at that entire picture at one time. He can step in and out whenever he wants because he's God. He made it, so he gets to do that. So we may be at this point in time, but God knows if we do this, then this is going to happen down here. And so he wants to protect us. He doesn't stop there. He says, my love for you is, is too strong to simply let you go along on your own way. He knows we'll play games. He knows we will. But he says this, and, and, and this is great. He says, whoever, now this is the same John, same guy. He says, whoever claims to love God, yet hates his brother or sister, is a, say it louder, it's a liar. Oh, man. People get on my nerves. People get on my nerves. Do they get on your nerves? <laughs> I never get on anybody's nerves. John, why do you got to use that word? Why you got to be so harsh, man? You do not have peace with God if you're out of sorts with someone that you can be in sorts with. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter who they are. You cannot have peace with God who has forgiven you. Remember, God forgave you, but you won't forgive somebody else. I know people hurt us. And I told you about it last week. I've been brutally hurt. Many of you have been hurt, abused, trampled on. It, it stinks. It stinks. But God says, you cannot have peace with God and hold on to that stuff. You can't do it. If you say you're doing it, then you're lying to yourself. Because that's not the case. So who are our brothers and sisters? You know, I have, um, I have a brother. His name is Kevin. Um, is that who they're talking about? Am I only supposed to forgive Kevin? I don't have a biological sister. Of course not. He's talking about anybody. It could be your kid. It could be your parent. It could be anybody. Because when, when Scripture talks about brothers and sisters, they're talking about humanity as a whole. Everybody. If you've got a problem with somebody and you are struggling with it every day, you've had the blowout, you know you need to mend some fences, but it hurts. They, did, they said terrible things. They did terrible things. Let's look in the mirror. Man, it... Stinks to look in the mirror because how many times have we done and said terrible things to other people and we wanted to be forgiven? Whether it's when we were young or when we were old. We've all done it. The challenge is if we don't forgive, and I said this last week and I'm going to say it a little bit differently this week. If we don't forgive, the person who hurt us is still driving our car. And who do we want driving our car? Jesus. That's what we want driving our car. But when we have hatred and bitterness and we don't forgive, we're lying to ourselves because that person's still driving our car. And that's not what we want. You can't hate and hurt others and have peace with others and have peace with yourselves. You can't hate and hurt others and have peace at all. John says, come on. You know better than that. So this is where we are. 
We know that sin separates. We know that sin separates. Have any of you ever lost a child? Whether it's in a store or in a theme park. Anybody ever lost a child? Yeah. Well, Kelly and I went out and, um, you know, we came back home and our children were nowhere to be found. Now, our children are old enough now to leave them our older children. <laughs> Let me be clear about that. I don't want to get in trouble with anybody. Our, you know, they're old enough now to be left alone for periods of time. And so we left and we came home and they were nowhere to be found. You know that feeling? Oh, that panic. What did I do? What did I do? They weren't, oh, they weren't written. Oh, somebody is coming. You know, all those things start coming through your head. And so Kelly and I are frantically walking around the house, screaming their names as if screaming louder is going, you know, our house isn't that big. And so we go out onto the back porch, and back behind our house, there's our, the property goes way back, and there's a creek, and it goes right back behind it. And this was the day that it snowed that, you know, one-tenth of one inch, and everybody freaked out. And our kids were out there exploring in the backyard. And so we're screaming their name. They weren't looking for us. They weren't looking for us. They were doing their own thing, but we were looking for them. We were looking for them. And when we saw them, when we heard their voices, what did we feel? Relief. Ah, they're okay. I don't have to panic anymore. For some of us, we haven't been looking for God for a long time. But He's looking for us. We may not even know that we're wandering out there lost somewhere, but He's looking for us. He's like this. Like He's been for a whole long time. He wants to have a relationship with us. He wants us to deal with guilt and shame and move on. He wants us to be able to come to church and not worry about who we're going to see. He wants to be able to, us to be able to go to work and not worry about who we're going to see. He wants us to go to the family reunion and not worry about who's going to be there and who's not. He wants that peace for us. He wants us to be able to lay down at night, turn all the lights out, turn the TV off and the music off, and go to sleep with peace. With peace. Not our mind racing about all the things that we've done to others or that they've done to us. So he invites us into that. Why would we refuse? Why would we refuse that peace? Who is so important? Who is so important that you're going to let them take that from you? They may not have been in your life for a year or two years or five years or 25 years. Would you trade God's offer for peace for a person or a thing or a promotion? What's worth losing peace with God? Why would we refuse? So here's the question. If we want to be happy, if we want to be happy, we want to have peace. Peace with God, peace with ourselves, and peace with others. Go ahead and bow your heads with me. This is 
what I think God's asking. And I think that God's been asking us this since we walked in the door this morning. Are you at peace? Are you at peace? And if you're not, why not? Is it because there's, there's sin in your life, things that you know? I don't have to tell you what they are, but if you have questions, I'll be glad to talk to you about it later. You know what those choices are. You know those things that you're doing in secret that are blocking that relationship with God. God has his arms wide open. Is that why, is that why you don't have peace? Is it someone else? Who's hurt, uh, who's hurt you terribly or someone that you've hurt terribly what could possibly be worth trading off our peace so why not make peace with God I'd like to get a chance for those who've never put their faith in God to do that if you say you know Pastor Brian I've never actually taken that step or I don't feel like I've ever really, truly had a relationship with Jesus. I'm going to talk to you for a second. So I want everybody, heads bowed, eyes closed. This is a conversation between you and God. I'm just hoping to be here. If that's you, I'm going to say a prayer. And I want you to say it with me. You can say it out loud. You can say it, as my daughter says, in your brain. However you want to. Because see, God knows your heart. And He wants you to have peace. So He's listening. God... I want to have peace with you. Forgive me of dumb choices that I make. Make me clean and whole in your sight. I can't do it myself. You have to do it. I'm simply submitting myself to you for that. I accept you, Jesus, into my heart to clean up my mess that I can't clean up myself. I'm putting my faith in Jesus as my Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Heads bowed, eyes closed to If that was you, thumbs up. I'm giving you a big old thumbs up. Your eyes are closed, your heads are bowed, but I'm giving you a big old thumbs up. Please come and, and tell someone about that. Tell someone that you made that choice. Brett's going to be at the VIP station on the way out. He wants to talk to you. He wants to pray with you. He wants to give you some next steps to help you in your journey. Now, for everybody else, heads bowed, eyes closed still. If you're a Christian with sin in your life, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. I'm not trying to embarrass you. That's not my goal here. God knows. And you know what? God doesn't care what you've done. There may, there may still be consequences to pay for whatever you've done. But God wants to make peace. God wants to make peace. I'm going to pray with you in a minute. And I want you to do one simple thing. One simple thing as we pray. Repent. Now, the word repent doesn't mean to say, I'm sorry. That's not the word of what the word repent means. The word repent means to literally change your direction. To turn around and go the other way. It is an action step. It's not a feeling or an emotion. It's an action step. It says, you know what? I've been going this way. I know it's the wrong way to go. So by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to turn around and go the other way. 
and I'm going to pursue God with everything that I've got. If that's you, I'm going to pray over you. I want you to pray with me. I can't do it for you, but I can do it with you. Let's pray together. Lord, we repent. We repent for not trusting you. We repent for choices that we make that we know are not what you want us to do. Forgive us. As we turn and go the other way, may the peace of God, the very peace that, that, that human beings cannot comprehend, the peace that passes all understanding, guide our steps. Guide our steps to reconciling with that child that we have distance between. With that parent who's hurt us. With that spouse or friend or family member. May our steps take us there to reconcile. We might not be able to fix it, but we can forgive it. That's what you're asking us to do. May the peace that passes all understanding rebuild our self-esteem that has been broken by our sinfulness. Rebuild us to see ourselves as you see us, not as anyone else sees us, including the mirror, but as you see us by the power and grace of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. God wants us to be happy. We can't be happy without having peace. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.